0: Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, May 17, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. The U.S. Senate passed a bill on Thursday that could allow cruise ships to return to Alaska ports this summer. The bill temporarily lifts the required stop in Canada for foreign cruise ships, which comprise nearly the entire fleet. The bill passed in a largely empty chamber. Senator Lisa Murkowski says if all goes well, the cruise lines could return to Alaska in mid or late July. The bill must pass the House, and Murkowski says the Alaska delegation is still waiting on the Centers for Disease Control to amend its pandemic restrictions on cruise ships. The Senate-passed bill adds a temporary bypass to the Passenger Vessel Services Act. That's a 19th-century law intended to favor domestic fleets. It says a foreign vessel can't carry passengers between U.S. ports. Foreign-flagged cruise ships get around it by making a stop in Canada on voyages between Washington State and Alaska. Last year, with the pandemic raging, Canada stopped allowing it. A pair of resolutions are being put to Sea Alaska shareholders that boosters say would reform how the Southeast Alaska's regional native corporation elects its leaders. As Coastal Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, it's part of an effort to boost the voices of independent shareholders.
1: Sea Alaska is a major economic player. Its business portfolio includes seafood, real estate, and until recently timber across more than 360,000 acres in southeast Alaska. The native-owned corporation reported nearly $700 million in annual revenue, with more than $55 million in net profits last year. At next month's annual meeting, five seats are in play on the corporation's 13-member board, and candidates are seeking support from the more than 22,000 people holding shares. Of shareholders that vote, about a fifth don't mark any preference.
0: If uh, a shareholder is undecided who to vote for, but they still want to be supportive of Sealaska, there's an opportunity to give their vote to the proxy holders to vote as they wish.
1: That's Ed Thomas, who sat on the Alaska board for more than two decades. He says these unmarked ballots are called discretionary because they can be voted at the discretion of the board majority. It's basically like handing over an unmarked ballot for a corporation's leadership to ink in the bubbles. But Thomas says this block of votes can be used as a tool by the board majority to keep control of the corporation. He says any board member that's out of step with the majority risks losing their endorsement. And with that, access to the pool of discretionary votes controlled by the majority.
0: Bad. And what that does is sends a message to any new member that you got to go along with their thinking. Otherwise, uh, you can't think independently. Otherwise, you're, you're out.
1: But see Alaska's board majority opposes the measure board and executive leaders declined an interview request but have released statements pointing out the past efforts to stamp out discretionary voting have failed. It's not the only election reform resolution put on the ballot by shareholders. Anchorage shareholder Lisa Marie Iconomov is pushing a separate measure that would require more detailed reporting of the final vote count. That means a candidate's election returns would have the number of directed votes cast by individual shareholders and the discretionary votes controlled by the majority on the board in separate columns.
2: This resolution does not say that they can't use discretionary voting. What it says is they just need to be honest and truthful about the reporting and report those full totals to shareholders. They shouldn't be able to hide any vote count from any shareholder.
1: It's a somewhat Byzantine process, but Iconomov explains how the current setup allows the majority on the board to prop up their allies who may not receive as much support from individual shareholders. She offers this hypothetical.
2: So you can have a situation where, let's say, they need 500,000 votes to get on the board, and that that person only got 100,000 directed votes, which isn't a very good showing and I don't think a very good show of confidence from the shareholder population. And so what the, the proxy holders can do with those discretionary is they can say, okay, we're, he needs 500,000 to get elected. So we're going to give that candidate those 400,000 votes from the discretionary pool. And so that will get them reelected.
1: Sea Alaska is one of the 13 original corporations established by the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. The legislation was a sea change for Alaska's indigenous people who received shares in regional, village, and urban corporations based on ties to their traditional homelands. But Ikonomov says ANXA corporations like Sea Alaska have in the past half century become a lot more than just profit-driven corporations. They also serve as representatives for broader interests of Native peoples.
2: They are voice in politics there are voice, you know, in the community, we look at those positions as not just having that business component, but also in a lot of ways, you know, the representation component of us as shareholders, as tribal citizens, as just Alaska native people
1: see Alaska's board of directors opposes both shareholder resolutions. In a statement to shareholders, the board says roughly one fifth of people vote discretionary because they are consciously showing their support for the corporation. The resolution faces tough odds. Under Sea Alaska's bylaws, a shareholder resolution requires support from the majority of all shareholders to pass. That's especially difficult because 20 to 30 percent of shareholders don't vote, meaning that two-thirds of those that do would need to vote yes.
0: Reporting in Juneau,
1: I'm Jacob Resnick.
0: Alaska's seafood processors were hit hard in 2020. Meanwhile, markets for seafood saw some growth during the pandemic. Recent surveys show that those industry outcomes could be seen again this year. KFSK's Angela Denning reports from Petersburg.
3: Alaska's seafood industry has a lot of moving parts. There are the fishermen, the processors, the market, as well as the fish themselves. By all accounts, the pandemic has been hard on the processors. Last year, they spent about $70 million in mitigation measures and responding to the pandemic. But this year, it's expected to be even more, over $100 In fact, a lot of it has already been spent this year.
0: There were challenges and some plant closures that happened despite all these protocols.
3: Dan Lesh is with McKinley Research Group that surveyed processors and others in March about the effects of COVID on Alaska's seafood industry. He says the flatfish industry was hit hard with outbreaks in January, causing expensive plant closures. Those costs are in addition to the ongoing price for pandemic mitigation.
0: A lot of these costs are already baked in, and a lot of the, my understanding is that most the mitigation measures will be continued.
3: So basically, there are more months this calendar year dealing with the pandemic. Processors surveyed said their peak employment last year dropped 31 percent. That's from intentionally smaller workforces, as well as problems recruiting and retaining workers. Two-thirds of processors received COVID relief money, but it only covered 24 percent of their costs on average.
0: None of the processors said it covered even half their costs, and 35 percent was the highest estimate we, we got in our survey.
3: But Lesch says there's hope that more relief money could come this year with newer programs. As for the seafood market, while it's hard to summarize all species together, some areas saw growth. Salmon, for example.
0: Every indication is that everything's been sold out from last year.
3: There were times where we saw 30 to 40 percent increases in frozen and fresh seafood sales. Ashley Heimbigner is with the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute, which contracted the research group for the study. She says online seafood sales skyrocketed during the pandemic. So people are also getting more comfortable
1: buying seafood online. And that's, you know, through Instacart or their local grocer, but also through community-supported fisheries and direct marketers, you know, ordering direct from fishermen as well. So people are seeking out new ways to find these new seafood purchasing options.
3: That's online, though. The food service market dropped out as restaurants were closed, and that instability affected prices paid to fishermen. Then there's the fish, 2020 is considered the worst year for salmon since the 70s, and the state is seeking eight separate fisheries disaster declarations. The statewide forecast for some species doesn't look very promising. Chum are expected to be down 23% from the 10-year average, and pinks, which return every other year, could be down 41% from recent odd years. But it's hard to predict what exactly the season will be. One thing's for sure. Vaccinations are going to play a major role. One of Alaska's biggest processors, Trident Seafoods, is requiring a fully vaccinated workforce for its Petersburg plant. Last year, workers stayed in a closed campus. In an email, spokesperson Shannon Carroll says they'll keep campus open this year with some restrictions, as long as the town is in a low-risk status. Tonka Seafoods, a smaller local processor, isn't requiring vaccinations, but is strongly encouraging them with incentives. Co-owner Seth Scrimshire says about 80% of its workforce is currently vaccinated. Petersburg's largest processor, OBI, which employs hundreds of workers, would not comment for the story. However, the local emergency operations center said the company told the borough that they planned a 90% vaccination rate for resident employees and 100% for transient workers. And if they achieve this, then they will likely have an open campus. But, like Heimbigner says, how 2021 turns out for the multi-billion-dollar industry will remain unknown, at least for now. You know, I wish I had that crystal ball. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning.
0: I'm Peter Apathy, and this has been Raven News. And looking ahead at our weather forecast for today, partly cloudy skies, isolated rain showers, highs around 50, with south winds around 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy, lows in the upper 30s, northwest winds around 10 miles per hour, and for tomorrow, mostly cloudy in the morning, then becoming partly cloudy, highs in the lower 50s, northwest winds around 10 miles per hour. And coming up on our live local interview at 8.16, we'll be speaking with Kathy Healy and Doug Osborne about National Bike to Work Week, which starts today. Kathy is Sitka spokesperson for National Bike to Work Month in Sitka, and Doug is with the Sitka Cycling Club. That's coming up at 816.